Welcome back to Innovation Big and Small. Hi there, Jim. Hi, Squirrel. How are you today? I'm doing great. So uh, let's talk about metrics. That's a good idea. I, I understand that you uh, gave a talk to a bunch of CFOs about how to measure technology recently. Maybe we could start with that. Yeah, absolutely. So that was a lot of fun. There's a group of startup CFOs that were interested in the topic how do you know what your tech team is is reporting? How do you know that it's any good? How do you measure whether their metrics are meaningful? And I showed some examples of not very meaningful metrics. For example, when uh, development teams report story points, that's usually not a very good metric because story points used correctly differ hugely from team to team, even within a company. So if they tell you they did 100 points last sprint, that doesn't tell you anything about whether they're any better than anyone else. It might give you a little bit of an impression about how they're improving if they did 90 last time and 100 this time, but it's not a very good measure. Um, and we talked about uh, some better metrics, uh, and those include things like burn up and burn down charts. And those are, uh, if you have a look at the, the links in the show notes, you'll see that those are ways of measuring where a team is likely to finish a particular project. So you say, look, we done it, we've done this amount of work in the last uh, two or three weeks or sprints. And we can project that if we continue at this rate, we'll be finished around here. And that's much more meaningful because it doesn't rely on this kind of arbitrary number, uh, a story point or something like that. So those are some examples of kind of not very good metrics and, and better metrics that startups often report because they tend to be reporting on a specific project. There's usually only one project at a startup. You're, you're doing one thing and it succeeds and the startup succeeds and it fails and the startup fails. So the world's kind of simple there. How, how is it at a big company? Yeah, it's a, it's a bit uh, different because you're looking at a portfolio level almost always. It's almost mm -hmm. a, a portfolio game. And, you know, at the CFO level, he's interested in, I'm putting in this much money over this many years. What am I going to get out of it? And how am I going to tell? Um, at the When I was at Goodyear, uh, the very top level thing was uh, something we called 1031. It was just that there will be 10 businesses. This was just for the new business innovation piece, but yeah, 10 yeah. businesses that we put into incubation, three of which will decide to actually bring to scale and one which will deliver you know, the financial rewards. And we had a financial target associated with what that would be by what time. And how did you measure that kind of board meeting to board meeting? So how would you tell that we're on track? Because you, you don't know till the end, maybe yeah, 10 years right, or something, exactly. whether you're on track for the one to, to take off. Right. So you need that. That's the overarching one. And then we had a uh, a portfolio review uh, portfolio view that would say, here's what's in progress. So we looked at it by, you know, different platforms that we were working on. Some things were in the customer insight stage, somewhere in the business model stage, somewhere in the incubation stage. And each time we would update what moved from one stage to another, or or got canceled or started. And how did you pick out a lemon? So is it just something that wasn't moving? Was that one that was doing badly? Or how would you detect something that was going off the rails? So you would you would detect it by uh, whether or not it was answering the questions you needed to answer at, during that process. So if you did something, the, the metric in the first was non-financial. It was, uh, do you understand the customers? Do you have a customer value proposition? Can you state it clearly? Do you have an estimate of how much value you would create for a customer and any kind of estimate about how many customers like that there might be? So it was it was qualitative, but rigorous in the sense that uh, 
rather than starting with, well, there's this big market and we think we can make this big business out of it. You're starting with how do you make one customer successful and how do you know? And on the business model side, it would be, uh, we identified a list of risks. And uh, then the question was simply, have you allayed the risk? There might be a risk around the channel. What kind of experiment did you do to learn about the channel? Uh, so that, and then it got more quantitative on pure business terms when we were in incubation. But even then, it was more about learning than dollars. Uh, it was more about uh, learning what you need to make the business profitable and to scale. So it's a, it, there were different metrics. We weren't heads down trying to get a program written. Uh, and I think even in your, in your case, where you're working with a team that was uh, you know, trying to run through a burn down chart, um, the world changes though. So things get added to the chart and things drop off because you find out they're really not adding value. Uh, so how did you manage that? Well, and that's actually the, the whole point of a burn up chart, because the thing, and we're going to have to paint this picture for, for our listeners, if you're driving or something, don't don't stop and try to look this up, but uh, ha have a look at some pictures, which we'll link to in the show notes. You can see that a burn down chart goes down, no surprise, and it goes toward the x-axis. And the x-axis stays in one place. You know, I learned that in, in high school algebra, I think. But the problem is that, as you point out, the, the things that come in change. So suddenly you have new things to do. You discover new things about the customers. You, you want to add new bits. You want to take something away that people aren't interested in or that isn't working. And so you want to move the x-axis, but you can't. The burn up chart is nice because it allows you to go upward toward a line, but it's not a straight line. It can be a line that goes up and down and back and forth and that illustrates the and, and captures the, the changing scope. So you can see that if you keep adding stuff, we'll never finish because right. the projection will never meet the, the line at the top. If you leave stuff alone or if you even remove some stuff, then, then we'll get done sooner. So that's more of a project, man project management tool. It would be useful as kind of a single data point within the whole portfolio. You know, this, this group is progressing nicely, getting their work done. They're on track to finish and get to the next stage. Or this group is definitely not. They're a, a lemon. Get, get rid of them. But it sounds like the metrics weren't as much project management. It wasn't that the, the um, group you were working with wanted to see the individual details of whether something was finished. They wanted to see customer understanding business models, um, yeah, yeah. More, more business value. And that was actually how I finished my presentation. As I said, the very best metric, whether you're in a tiny startup or something giant, is whether you've produced something that is of value. And so that um, certainly meets the needs of a typical CFO. They want to see that they've had a return on the investment. And typically in a startup moving very fast, you can actually show a meaningful return. You can say that uh, I've got something out and live to customers and here is the result and, and they're actually paying. And, and that's the best result that you can have. You can't always have that. And it sounds like in your case, there was more measurement of, of leading indicators that are saying we're on our way to do that. Whereas in a startup, typically you're, you have a very short runway. So you say, how, how can we get cash in the door and convince the next round of investors? And, and it's the cash that does it. Yeah, that's, uh, that's great. Sounds, sounds very effective in that setting. In the, uh, one of the challenges in a large business is you're trying to find something that's big enough to matter. So if you, uh, you know, if you're, you build something and it generates revenues of $5 million a year, that probably isn't going to make a big difference for a $15 billion company. So as you're going through the incubation and the scaling process, you're trying to understand 
find those businesses that can make a difference to you. Now, it's very easy for you to be myopic when you're doing that and miss the thing that's small now and could be very big later. Um, but uh, but that's I think that maybe explains some of the reason for the differences between the way people are working. Well, sure. And a, a startup, there's only one project. So the startup just is laser focused on that, believes that it's going to be the next Facebook and be huge. And most of them are not. But the ones that are, are successful because they've had that focus on just one. And uh, the interesting thing to cycle back around is that the way this talk got started was that a venture capitalist who has does have a portfolio and sits on a lot of boards, that venture capital firm came to me originally and said, can you talk to us about metrics? And then I thought, oh, CFOs would be interested in this. And they turned out to be. But the VC certainly has that portfolio view. So they're between the, the a good year who has, I'm sure, zillions of projects and a startup who has just one, they have uh, their own portfolio and they want their portfolio view. So the same kind of um, metric measurement, uh, the, the measurement is important for them to determine their own 1031. The, the, uh, the other uh, thing I think is important for big companies is the innovation team in itself uh, won't be successful probably without engaging other people in the rest of the company. So you have to have a way in the large company of making sure that all the parties who need to contribute to ultimate success are aligned with it. So there's a lot about this reporting that isn't just about is the team uh, is the team doing what it needs to do at the pace it ought to do it, uh, but trying to build alignment around if we're successful with this, what do we have to do? Is it worth it, et cetera. And what other resources do we need from the rest of the company in order to make that work? In order to make it work, exactly. And I, I had uh, a friend who was the CTO of a, a large industrial gas company. And uh, there, the business units had an obligation as one of their objectives to pull stuff out of the innovation group. And so, uh, but you you couldn't predict the success of any one of them. But he found, I think he had 140 projects in the organization's portfolio, and they all had a projection of when they would generate what value. In aggregate, they could be pretty accurate. On any individual one, they could not. So you'd, uh, you know, they, he was measured and his team was measured by that net-net effect. And, you know, the businesses had to share that objective or it just didn't, wouldn't make any sense. Got it. Okay. Well, good contrast between small and large, as usual, and, and some commonality, which is always nice to see. If listeners are interested in these kinds of metrics, either at large or small companies, we, we'd love to hear from you. We like questions about them. Uh, share with you the uh, graphs and ideas from the presentation, if that's interesting to you. Uh, you can find us at the um, show notes in uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast. We'll have our emails and Twitter and LinkedIn and all those kind of good things. And we like it when you hit the subscribe button, because although we were on a break for a bit, we're here every week and we have something to say about innovation, big and small. Thanks, Jim. See you next week. Thanks very much. See you later.